0: And a very good morning to each and every one. So great to see you all. What a beautiful day the Lord has given us. November the 29th in the year of our Lord 2020. We are truly blessed to be able to worship in spirit and in truth. Our opening song this morning will be come into his presence. to his presence with thanksgiving.
1: family even though we've come from different parts and different places father we're thankful to come together whether we're here on the orange carpet or whether we're at home watching on video we're thankful that we can have one heart and mind along with you father we praise you for your greatness a greatness that created everything we know you as the god the creator we know you as the god of the sky we know you as the god of order we know you as the god of mercy Father, we uh, we know you this as this because of your word, word which is held true for centuries, millennia. It's been passed down in one form or another. We've taught our children, we've taught friends and family. Father, it's unchanged in a world that seems to change constantly, and you never know what to trust. It's always comforting to be able to hold on to something which is unchanging and trustworthy. Father, we know we know all this, and we're going to see it again today in Matt's lesson, that you are the God, not just part of a God, but you are the God. For that, we praise you. Father, we give thanks to you. Within a weekend where people have gathered together with friends and family to give thanks, sometimes they don't even know who to give thanks to or why. Father, we give thanks to you, the Creator, the, the one who keeps things in order, fount of all blessings. Father, we ask for your blessings in this great country. We ask that you help to heal us of the Rona. It's disrupted just about everything it can disrupt. People uh, seem to be upset about everything, a lot of disruption, a lot of disjointness. It's um, us versus they and them versus us. And Father, we ask that you help us to be united as one, Help us to always look towards you for guidance, whether it's in our government or in the decisions that are made daily for ourselves and our families. Father, we ask for your blessings on the missionaries, those who take your word and share your gospel, the victory message, like Campion, Areton, Agrippa, and Peter in Madagascar. They've been under tough times for a very long time, yet they continue to bring people to you in your son's name continue to baptize, they continue to show mercy, they continue to disciple and grow deacons and elders. Father, we ask for your blessings on Barry Rosie, the work that he's beginning in Mali. We're thankful to hear from Ms. bulletin of how he's fitting in and how he's making a difference already in the churches that are already established but making the teaching even better and help to grow that. Father, we are thankful for the work that Dennis does in Nicaragua. The people there uh, they learn of the victory message. They learn of your love and your mercy. And I know in it's times, it's a very difficult thing to do. But it seems to always make inroads. Father, we ask for your blessings on Gary Wider and the work in this being done in the Florida Prison Ministries. Work that's done over to Mount Dora Children's Home to help the kids who just don't have a good place in society. Father, help to bring your word and your love to many. So you continue, your kingdom will continue to grow and grow your son comes again. Father, we ask for your blessings on this congregation. We ask that you bless the elders with wisdom to make decisions that have to be made whether it's short term or long term. Help us to make the right decisions in accordance with your will. Father, we also ask for your blessings on Matt and Mike as they continue to evangelize. It's not as easy to do it as it used to be. Uh, Not as much time together, not as much social But there's a will, there's a way, and there's always a will. Father, we ask for the blessings on each of us. um, Help us to stay healthy. Help us to show love and mercy to those who need it the most. Ask for your blessings on Mitzi. Continue to make her stronger. We know she has a surgery coming up in December. Make her healthy to get through that surgery. Help her to eradicate the cancer from her body. Help her to get back home with life. Father, we ask that you continue to heal William so he can get back to his work as an elder. We ask that you be with Scott Harris and Rita Smith's son, who recently contracted the COVID. We know there are many others. It just seems to be anywhere and everywhere. You don't see it until it's too late. Help to heal them. Help to keep everyone safe. Father, we ask for your many blessings. We ask for your love. We ask for your guidance. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Our next song will prepare our hearts and minds for observance of the Lord's Supper. I have selected Give Thanks. Apropos to that, I'll lead it slower and softer.
2: Give thanks.
3: Once in a while, it all lines up when the song right before the Lord's Supper is exactly what I wanted to talk about. So, perfect. In the last few days, we participated in a tradition in this country: Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's a time when when people around the country they just thank God for all the blessings that, that He's given us. You know, it's it's this time of year: Thanksgiving, Christmas. Uh, it brings the whole country to look at, at at Jesus, so it's a good time of year. But for us Christians around the world, we celebrate Thanksgiving every week. We celebrate the love God has shown us through the salvation that was brought by Jesus. First Corinthians 15:57 tells us: but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So How did this victory happen and what does it mean? You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5, 6. And therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through Him, everyone who believes is set free from sin, a justification. You were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Acts 13 38 and 39. Let's go to God in prayer and, and give thanks. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus, Father. Father, it's hard for us to understand that, that the suffering was needed for Jesus to, to go through with your will, but we're so thankful that he did so of his own accord. Father, he did it to be obedient to you, Father, but he also did it for us that we may be with you. Father, please bless this bread that represents his broken body. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's continue our prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you so much for, for Jesus, Father, and that, what he did for us, Father. We, we know that you've always taught, it's been written, we've seen it in history that for the Israelites, the sins were washed away through sacrifice of, of blood, Father. But you gave us a sacrifice that's, that's perfect, one that has seen no sin one that goes much farther than bulls and goats, Father, the blood of Jesus. Please bless this cup that represents his spilt blood that was shed on the cross for us. It's in Jesus' name.
0: song will be the song before the lesson this morning. If it's convenient, shall we stand?
2: Sure. The Lords are wrong and him we hide. a shelter in the time?
4: have it turned on here we go I think we're okay now all right might want to turn me down a little bit back there okay so we're gonna continue our conversation That God is faithful. Remember, we are going to say this, you're going to hear this until this series is over and this is going to be the longest series I've ever preached in my life. So get ready because you're going to hear this a lot. God is faithful and you can trust God more than you can trust yourself. Don't forget, we ended with Joseph, okay? And Joseph had led us as Israel, right? Joseph led us into Egypt where we left off Joseph was the second most powerful man in Egypt, okay? So the Israelites were sitting in a pretty good situation. Remember, they had their own place in Egypt, which we discussed thoroughly uh, two weeks ago. So that's where we pick up. Now, Exodus chapter 1 is where everything is going to change. I wanted to show you this scripture real quick in Genesis to remind you of the promises that we're looking for. So Genesis chapter 15, verse 12 says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Now know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So like I said, Exodus chapter 1, we go from Israel being this nation that Egypt loves because of Joseph to a different scenario. Okay, It says, uh, starting in verse 12, but the more they were oppressed, being Israel, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So at this point in Exodus chapter 1, it's been about 400 years, and times have changed. Times have changed drastically from Israel being an accepted part of the Egyptian culture to Israel being Egypt's slaves. And the reason why is because they were growing rapidly as a nation. So rapidly that Egypt was actually concerned with the size of Israel. How can we control them? They're getting too big for even us to control. I got an idea. We'll increase their labor. We'll make it hard. We'll make their work so hard for them. That's all they can think about. It gets worse. Then they decide to implement the idea of population control. Now, this is the part I want you to pay attention to because, look, there are big things to experience in the Word of God about God in the minor details. And sometimes we read through things fast and we overlook these little tidbits, okay? So I want you to pay attention to these next couple of scriptures I'm going to read to you. First one, verse 16, When you serve... As a midwife to the Hebrew women, this is the this, this is what they're being told in Egypt, and see them on the birth stool. If it is a son, you shall kill him, but if it's a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. But let the male children live. So in verse 22, we find something a little bit more specific. So now he sent out the army to do this because the midwives wouldn't, and he says. When you kill them, what I want you to do is I want you to take the sons and I want you to throw them in the Nile. Now think about that. Those are some details to think about. you got the sons of the Israelites being killed. And where are they being thrown? Into the Nile. Remember those details. God is about to combat Egypt. And when he does, he's going to combat Egypt for what they did, for the gods they serve. Very specifically, by chapter 2, the slavery has become such a big deal that for the first time in Exodus, the scriptures say that the people of Israel are crying out to God. They're crying out to God. Okay? They are begging for deliverance from Egypt in chapter 2. Now also in chapter 2 is where we see Moses come in and his life being um, logged, right? And this is where he's born as a baby and his sister puts him in the Nile and puts him in a basket and then the Pharaoh's daughter finds him and next thing you know, Moses is raised in the palace of the Pharaoh. And shortly after that, he's out and he's seeing the uh, Egyptians treating the Israelite slaves, super harsh. Don't forget that his, he's still connected to his family. So he knows his roots. He's learning the Egyptian culture and those roots, but he's also he, he's learning about his own roots, being that he's an Israelite, and he sees this Egyptian, and he's, he's being harsh on an Israelite slave. And Moses kills him. And of course, he realizes this is a big problem, because he's not truly Egyptian. They might not know he's Israelite. They might. And he runs. He flees Egypt. He flees Egypt, gets himself a wife, starts another life. And then we have the burning bush in chapter 3. That time where God says, Moses, you can't run from your destiny. It's not exactly what he said, but that's the summary. You can't run from it, and you can't make excuses for what I'm about to do through you. Because believe me, he did. Moses, like many men, was nervous about speaking. He didn't like to speak. He says, I have a stuttering problem. God, why would you use me? I'll, I'll give you Aaron. So by chapter 4, Moses had this moment with God. He's given Aaron, and they head back to Egypt. And they have that confrontation with the Pharaoh where he tells him, Israel is God's people. You need to let them go. It's time to release God's people. Understand that Moses came in and had a conversation with the Pharaoh before anything happened. Explain the situation. Probably reminded him, don't forget who we are. Don't forget, we come from Joseph. Don't forget, he saved Egypt. Don't forget, a lot of the power that Egypt experiences and wealth that Egypt experiences right now is from our roots. And you've enslaved us. It's time to let us go. Well, the Pharaoh doesn't like that. So, what's he do? He comes up with another solution. We're going to make their labor even harder, we're going to make their lives even worse. Okay? Now, in chapter 4, I want you to see this. Chapter 4 is where he returns. Remember, that was chapter 5 we just discussed, but I want to show you these, these two scriptures back to back because I want to show you something uh, that happens here that you miss when you read it as a whole and you're separated by two chapters. Verse 29 in chapter 4 says this Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. So this is when he, they first returned to Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord spoke. To Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people and the people believed and when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction they bowed their heads and they worshiped so when Moses and Aaron first show up and they're telling everybody everything one I want you to understand this they're not telling the people something they don't know don't believe the hype the world uses the fact that Moses wrote the first five books being the Pentateuch, the first five books, right? The books of law, even though there's a lot of history in there too, right? The world tries to say, Moses didn't live during all this time. He wasn't an eyewitness to these things. He just made some of this stuff up. There's no way to prove half this stuff. This is what the skeptic will tell you. Listen, Moses went into a place where people understood who they were where people were still crying out to God. They didn't forget their roots. If he had walked in there and made up a whole bunch of stuff, do you think these people would have just followed along? Somebody comes into my family and tells me that my family has a bunch of history that I know isn't true, you think I'm just going to accept it? So here's that moment. And they're praising God. It's been 400 years. Here we go. Like I said, Pharaoh increases their work rate. Chapter 5. By chapter 6, we have the same exact situation playing out with Moses. And look at what he says. He says, I say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Isn't that just what we read they were praying for? Weren't they praying for this deliverance? Weren't they begging God to be spared, to be, to be freed from slavery in Egypt? That's what we just read. When Moses shows up, they're pumped. They're worshiping God. By chapter 6, he says, you remember all those promises? You're going to be the generation that I give those promises to. You're going to be the generation that I give the land to. You're going to be the generation that actually starts a country with the land of its own that I have promised all the way back from Abraham. I will take you to be my people, verse 7, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, that sounds like great news. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to you, Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. He's talking to this specific generation. This isn't a promise of things to come. This isn't something for your ch- kids and your grandchildren and your great. We don't know when it's going to happen like we did before. This is a promise to them. Verse 9, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses. Chapter 4, they were worshiping God for what Moses and Aaron were saying. By chapter 6, they couldn't even believe it anymore. They couldn't even believe it. What changed? What changed? Look at this. Because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. They had been oppressed by the Egyptians for so long; they didn't believe things could change. Moses, you showed up. You said all these things. You made it sound really good. And what did we get for it? A worse life. Thanks a lot, Moses. Chapter seven is when things get real interesting. That's where the ten plagues show up, right? You have the little you have the little square off between. Uh, uh, Moses and Aaron and the Pharaoh and his magicians and all that weird stuff happens, right? Like they create snakes and, and then Moses drops a staff and it turns into a snake and he eats all the snakes. All that stuff goes on. So you have your little uh, world of wizarding moment, right? Your little Harry Potter moment. And I got a lot of questions for that but we don't have enough time today. Okay? But right after that, the ten plagues begin. Now, I want you to realize something. One, I want you to see the bigger picture. One, I want you to realize that every single one of these plagues was a direct attack on the pagan, foreign, false gods of the Egyptians. Every single one. Most of them are very easy and very plain to see. These, the list, just so happens to be the nine most powerful, once you include the Pharaoh, the 10 most powerful gods of the Egyptian faith. These were their powerhouses. Okay? But I want you to look. What happens on the first plague? The lifeblood of the economy, the lifeblood of the country literally turns to blood. Isn't that where they threw the babies? You ever think about that before? Isn't that where they threw the babies? Into the Nile, turned to blood? So you go down the list, you see all the things that's going on here. And like I said, it's real easy. If you go and you do a little bit of research yourself, because I don't have time to go through this detail by detail, although I would love to, I could do a whole sermon just on the plagues. Okay? That's not what we're doing today. We're trying to take a step back from the specific to see the whole picture. The only one that's very difficult to explain on this list is number eight. We believe that it was a direct attack against Seth, and that would be locust. The reason why that's difficult is because he's the god of chaos. He's the god of the storm, if you will, okay? And why would this be a direct attack on Seth, you might ask? How about this? There were seven plagues that have already destroyed, decimated, devastated Egypt. You prayed to Seth. You worshiped Seth because you knew there was going to be chaos. But Seth was supposed to make sure that it wasn't too much. You think by the eighth plague they're thinking this is too much? Then you get into the ninth plague. Ra, the father god of Egypt, the sun god. A god that is still being worshipped all over the world today. Don't mistake it. The, The sun goes dark for three days. Think that's a foreshadow of anything to come? See these little details? Then the last one, of course, the death of the firstborn. Again, the first one, blood in the Nile. Last one, firstborn son. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Don't ever forget that. But of course, we get to the Passover, right? This is where the Passover is instituted. And I want to make something extremely clear to you. When they took that lamb, on this night, on this night, there was nothing different between the Egyptians and the Israelites. You understand that, right? The angel of the Lord did not care. The angel of death did not care if you were Israelite or Egyptian. This night, what he cared about was the blood on your door. If you had the blood of the lamb on your door, it didn't matter if you were the best person in Israel or the worst person in Egypt. Do you understand that? If you had the blood on the door, he would pass over. If you did not have the blood on the door, it didn't matter if you were the best person in Israel or the worst person in Egypt. What happened? Think that's a foreshadow? Of course it's a foreshadow. Just like we were talking about earlier, it's right here. Right? It's our Thanksgiving meal that we celebrate every week together as a family. It's right here. It's what everything's all about. So, Exodus chapter 12, I'm going to read this part. For I will pass, starting in verse 12. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment on all the gods of Egypt. You know why? Because he's went through one through 10. He already has. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And I, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You know, that's a big moment. You know the Pharaoh is the son of Ra. Did you know that? He's the son of God. Based on their religion. The firstborn of each pharaoh is the next son of God. So when the firstborn of the Pharaoh dies, God dies in Egypt. This is the death blow. <laughs> the other nine were part of the war. Now look, if you go back and you study in detail, one of the things you will find is that m- there are multiple times during these 10 plagues that Egypt, in all of its wisdom, all of the Pharaoh's advisors, everybody, they are so over what's going on in Egypt that they are telling Pharaoh, just let them go. What are they really worth? Just let them go. And think about it. At this point in time, the country is devastated. It is a shell of what it used to be. Just let them go. In fact, by the time the Pharaoh finally says, you know what, I'm going to let them go, the citizens of Egypt are so excited that Israel is leaving that they literally throw them a parade on the way out. And they bring their valuables from within their homes and they give them to Israel as they leave. They're having a celebration. Oh my goodness, finally they're gone. You know what it shows a little bit? It shows a little bit that even the Egyptians are starting to understand who the Lord is. You think it's a coincidence to the Egyptians that Moses shows up, starts telling everybody that Israel's God's people and if you don't do something, If you don't let us go, it's going to get crazy around here. And then one, two, three, four, five. This ain't getting any better, guys. So they plunder them on the way out. Scripture says it was exactly to the day 430 years they lived in Egypt. 430 years. Don't forget this. Genesis 50, remember? Joseph told us this was going to happen this exact way. And he says, hey, by the way, when it does, what? Don't leave my bones here in Egypt. You know, the Jewish tradition says that the bones of Joseph were carried right beside the Ark of the Covenant. Did you know that? But of course, what happens? We know the next part of the story, don't we? The Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he realizes he just let all of his slaves go. If, if we don't go back and get them, who's going to do the work? We're going to have to do the work. Not to mention they stole everything on their way out, right? They didn't really steal it. We just kind of gave it to them. People were getting crazy. Can't go any further in the story right now. So, this is where we have to stop. But I want to give you two take homes that I think are really important to the the study that we've been doing. And the first one is this I want you to understand that God revealed Himself in the plagues and the Passover, He revealed Himself in the plagues and the Passover. And you know what I want you to understand also? It was deliverance through the plagues, but it was also trial, pain, and suffering through the plagues. If you go back and you look, you will find that some plagues only affected the Egyptians. You will also find that some plagues affected everybody. So he revealed himself in the plagues just as much as he revealed himself in the Passover. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's only by the blood of Christ that you are saved. It doesn't matter if you're the best or the worst. Because at the end of the day, God is faithful in justice, and he's faithful in mercy. He is faithful in righteousness, and he is faithful in grace. It's both sides, not just one. Second, don't allow your spirit to be broken. And don't allow your heart to become hard. You know, there's two sides of that coin, too. You've got the Israelites who are about to be delivered. And they've been through so much oppression. They've been through so much pain. They've been through so much struggle that even though God is revealing himself right in front of their eyes, they can't believe it. And from the other side, you have the Pharaoh, whose heart is so hard that even though the Egyptians are seeing God being revealed right in front of their eyes, he can't listen. He can't see it. He's the only one in Egypt who can't. Look, ultimately, at the end of the day, all this points to Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Because without the blood of Christ, as Romans 5 says, we were hopeless. We were unable to solve the problem. We were weak and therefore enemies by the choices that we made against God. But through the blood of Christ, every single person has the chance to be saved. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the blood of Christ, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, added to the kingdom of God, and had your sins removed and remembered no more? For those of us who have, guard your heart and protect your spirit and remain strong and faithful and know that God, that you can trust God more than you can even trust yourself. If you have a need to respond to the invitation today, you can come as together we stand and sing.
5: went through this morning, the first promise has been fulfilled. You'll have as many children as there are sand by the sea, as there are stars in the sky. And I have a feeling that you're going to get to the second one next sermon. You can figure out what that one is. But the one that is most important to us is the one about Christ and the foreshadowing of that in the Passover, the fact that Christ leveraged that to talk about himself being the Lamb of God. And given up the next day in the passover feast if you didn't get a bulletin please pick one up there's a lot of information in there i'm just going to touch on a few things scott harris has covid he started feeling his symptoms earlier this week he's at home he did go in and get a shot to bolster his uh, immune system a little bit but uh, keep scott in your prayers rita smith's son has COVID as well they got exposed rita and her husband got exposed about a week and a half ago Uh, I haven't seen anything that they've come up with any symptoms, but continue to keep them in your prayers Kathy Metz she's moving back Titusville, but she's moving into the assisted living facility. That's on Harrison And lastly Christmas is about 26 days from now And we've supported uh, Mount Dora Christmas wishes for I don't know what 10 15 years 20 years And we're gonna do that again this year Camille is going to post the list of those that uh, there that are wishing to have gifts. Uh, but she also has a list, so it'll be here. If you want to get it earlier, you can give Camille a call and contact and who you may want to pick out of that list to uh, fulfill their Christmas list. Look forward to seeing you again.
0: This will be our closing song, if it's convenient, shall we stand?